listen and subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to The Table of Truth. This is your man, Cam. With me, as always, is... This is Josh, the tech god. And this as as well as... Oh, <laughs> you're messing up, Jump Cam. The gun. Messing up. I jumped the gun. <laughs> as well as... This is D the Professor. <laughs> and uh, welcome back, fellas. How's it going? Been a little bit, you know, shaking some dust off. Been a minute. You know? Yeah, you was, know, uh, immersed how's, how's, in, uh, in playoff basketball, you know, as black people do. Yep, that's true. It so. is a cultural <laughs> tradition that yep. around these times between the spring and the start of summer that black people gather around various couches, sometimes even outside, and we watch basketball. (laughs) Preach. We watch basketball, folks. We follow it from the moment it starts to the moment it ends. I know. Unless you're D'Angelo, because you ain't been watching. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Liar. It's because he's been watching... He's been watching. He's been watching all this good television that's out, like true. Segway God is a ten-year podcast veteran. Sometimes I can just like do this whenever I want to, fellas. <laughs> it would. It would appear. <laughs> well, I got my notepad out and I'm taking notes. <laughs> Same, so, you know. So you know, full disclosure, I have not watched Atlanta, but these guys have, and they're going crazy about it. And part of the reason being is one amazing writing and um, character development, which has always been his kind of linchpin for the show. It just came back after what three year hiatus was it? About a three year somewhere there about yeah yeah. So our our uh, our cast now is richer and more famous than they were three years ago. <laughs> yes, they are. and then they came back and then they still gave the heat. <laughs> yes, yes they did. Yeah, they gave the heat. It was almost like you know they never left. They never left us. They were been here for all this time, but really the series just continues to show a different level of excellence in, in writing. And I think, you know, we writing being going to be a big thing here, you know, they or have Donald Glover. I didn't get it at first, you know, what they were, what he was going for with Atlanta. You know, I think there were a lot of cosmetic and optic, um, uh, imagery and things that we're iconography that we're used to that that made us it was like red herring we thought we were going to get one thing and we you know specifically a show about uh, a, a young black manager trying to uh, manage the career of his or wannabe manager trying to manage the career of his um, Atlanta based uh, rap star cousin um, and oh boy, did the show become so much more. And it's not, not even about that at this point. Like it, it, no. it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Josh and I were talking about that before. It's like you know, it, uh, at this point, you're not concerned with the progression of Paperboy's career. And I, and I don't know if I would have been able to make that statement in season one, knowingly even though that's what I was seeing the entire time, that this was a, a, a story that's being structured for us to not focus on this raps, this guy trying to be a rapper and his cousin uh, trying to be um, a manager. And then you put all the sort of uh, 
archetypes in there. So you have the baby mama in, in Zazie Beats and her character. And then you have uh, of the manager and you have um, the the almost idiot savant pothead friend in, in Darius played brilliantly by Lakeith Stanfield. Um, and these are, these are the archetypes we got. But then as the seasons went on, we realize, okay, these these guys, this is much more than just the, the types. Like these are fully realized, fully developed, nuanced black characters that show an array of emotions, an array of feelings, and an array of of um, of verisimilitude that I don't think we quite often get an examination of as such a high concept and high level. Mm, yeah, I think that's the. Like I remember before just hearing about it all the time is like the what people liked about it was the fact that it gives you the the basic stereotypes of, you know, of black, you know, television or car movies. But mm-hmm. then they throw it on its ear by uh, on its head by just giving them actual real depth and like making them actual human beings. As right. opposed to, like you said, the, 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 uh, the cookie cutter cardboard uh characters that we always get in all these other like you know the hood film or whatever so it's like on the surface it's like oh this is a hood film and then when you start to you watch it you're like oh wait no it's not <laughs> exactly and i mean i think the thing that that separates the show like it, it could have it could very easily have veered off into just being about a rapper and his cousin who's managing him and it would have been you know and, and the hijinks that ensues but mm-hmm. it's just so much more than that like this the complexity of the of the characters, the complexity of the situations they find themselves in, like it's really hard to define the type of comedy that it is. You can't even really necessarily fully just call it a comedy. I would say, no, like, no, no. it's it's not a sitcom. It's not a drama. It's not. It's just uh, it, whatever you want to, however you want to define, if you can define it, however you want to define it, it can't just be one thing. Um, yeah, it definitely doesn't fit any pre-existing mold for anything else that's going on that that's come before. No, not at all, not at all. It's it bends a lot of genres, um, and I think it, it, what it does it, it does it ignores genre altogether, so it can play with a bunch of different devices all at once while still keeping the focus on absurdist humor. So it's not that they are setting up some kind of joke that's going to have a punchline as much as they're putting um, real people in situations that are familiar to the audience. And we don't want to be in that situation, but at the same time, we're watching these characters negotiate through those situations and it works. And it's, it's funny because you see how ridiculous it is you know, no matter who you were in that scenario, Mm. I mean, you see how ridiculous it is. Um, And so that is one of the best things about the series overall. And I think one of my favorite parts is that it handles the burden of what we like to talk about as the burden of representation. And for those of you who don't know what that is, is a lot of black content creators are often hit with this, whether it's true or not, this judgment of whether or not the content is representing black people. So uh, I think what we have now is a a lot more content from a lot of different black voices to where that doesn't need to be the big defining issue. But with Atlanta, 
it seems like they found a way to negotiate that, but not through a moral lens. So these characters are not the morals of right and wrong are not filtered through our characters. They're just observe. They're just observe observations. You know, like I, you know, one of the things I love is that you know the main character, Earn, played by Donald Glover, can point out to someone publicly that they just did a kind of uh, silly or racist thing. And while at the same time, he cons that person. <laughs> or like, I mean, uh, what I've heard it called is charging it to the race car. <laughs> you know? What's funny is, um, you know, this is the rare moment that D'Angelo and I differ on, on something. I personally believe that there is a certain amount of burden of representation, but I also think that within that, you don't have to. Yes, you. Yes, when you when you appear on screen, whether you want to or not, just by right of where we are in society, you're kind of you kind of are representative. But I don't think it's necessarily in the case of Atlanta. I don't think it's necessarily burdensome so much as just it shows that there's a variety. Like it's not just the stereotypical black guys doing black guy things on black guy show like yeah. this is just so way leaps and bounds beyond anything that we that that's come before and i think it just shines a light on like yeah you are representing us but you don't have to be the stereotypical version of us air quotes um like you can there, there is a wide canvas a wide swath of, of of different different types of black people in different ways that we appear, and I, I don't think, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't think that that gets a lot of a lot of run, a lot of a lot of a lot of light shine on it. And for you know, we 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 you know we, we a whole there's a whole other discussion, excuse me, to be had on whether or not it's the the performer and the producer and the writer and, you know, the director's job to sort of highlight that for people who are, you know, whether you want to call them ignorant, whether you want to call them, you know, just uh, uninitiated, however you look at it, you know, at the end of the day, I personally have a vested interest in seeing and displaying uh, a variety of the, 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 the wide swath and variety of, Black people, and not just the stereotypical shucking and jiving, not just the you know the 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 woman who can't get a man, or the man who's cheating on his woman, or just the other nonsense that you see in in, in that that you've seen ad nauseum, or just the 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 goofy you know shucking and jiving comedy, um, and all the other things that we've seen ad nauseum in in media. This defies all of that, and you get and, and to to D'Angelo's point earlier. You know, those characters are flawed. Those characters are just multifaceted. You know, there, there's there, in the last episode, you know, Earn Earn is usually tripping over his own flaws. In this particular episode, you know, Paperboy is the one who is being a little naive. And in just uh, literally as Earn is walking through the episode, he's like, yo, you might not want to mess with these people and just keeps on walking. And that's one of his, the few lines he has in the episode because it's really about Paperboy and his experience with these people who are, who Social basically are using him. Yeah. So the whole, the, the, just a little bit, uh, a detail without giving anything away, the, mm-hmm. the, the, 
the premise of the episode is about uh, a European. Remember, the characters are in Europe, um, a European fashion designer who uses the Central Park Five as um, a logo or a design. And whoops, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the age of, of woke and council, you, you, you messed up. So um, anyway, um, they gather a bunch of uh, black influencers and uh, social justice warriors together in an attempt to apologize for them. So that's the humor uh, behind it. Um, But Paperboy is obviously the, the rapper, the celebrity, the influencer in the story. So, you know, he goes through this experience and what we had previously learned and knew about Paperboy is he's very, um, he's very apathetic to the burden of representation as we were talking about. Like, in fact, there's a line uh, from the, the, which is one of my favorite lines. I show you where my head is where he's uh, where Ern is like, uh, aren't you worried about what the hood is going to say, what the streets are going to say. And uh, Paperboy was like, <laughs> it, that was his reaction. Paperboy was like the streets. <laughs> and just like, and just, like, like, you know, and so, but, Obviously, and this is why, you know, going back to that whole thing without getting too deep into it is I don't deny it. And I don't think that it's something we can ever get away from, uh, partially because of the the structure of society. Um, But at the same time, you see that in the character of Paperboy in that he doesn't want to be this this representative of blackness. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want that at all. But he understands that being who he is, that there is a level of undeniability, inevitability, can't get around it. So Mm -hmm. he stumbles his way through trying to figure that out and has a rude awakening in in the process. Um, And it's one of those. And I, you know, I don't want to give it away, but it's we talk talked about off off before we record is it was a singular moment between two on-screen Black characters. Mm. Um, one being a, just for some optics, one being a a uh, very, uh, what you would call, um, I can, that looks like what Black masculinity is supposed to be, right? And then the other one is, is uh, the opposite. He is sort of, he is what people might say visually is, I guess, um, what, effeminate, I guess, if you will, Mm. for lack Mm. of a better um, word or phrasing. And so the two of them come together and they have a conversation that has nothing to do with those optics, but everything to do with the fact that Paperboy misread the room. Mm. And he didn't understand what, even though that they had leverage, but he didn't understand how to use the leverage. And in that moment, he was taught that by someone he didn't expect and that he didn't quite even understand. And he kind of, and you could tell he kind of didn't take serious and thought that he was just a, a, a goof or a shucking jiver, if you will, mm-hmm. talking about subverting that image, right? And in that moment, he imparted upon Paperboy uh, probably the biggest piece of wisdom that that character has received in the series to mm-hmm. this 
And that's what I found to, to have been the most brilliant aspect of that episode. Um, because it just, it just really, really, really spoke to, again, that burden of representation and the many ways that now you have lots of black voices trying to negotiate through that and not necessarily doing it the way that we think of, which is, you know, going out of their way to be blackness personified. Yeah. And I think that's something that's actually pretty dope because I think the, the one thing I would say as a lot of the newer shows that are coming out, are especially on the on the black front and we'll talk about this like deeper later but i think nowadays they're getting more freedom i should say to present a different types of black people yeah. and i think you know we all worked at bet at one time and we one of the things that we would say collectively is like bet only showed a very a very specific version of black people and they really discounted all the different types of them and never really had much room for growth or wiggle room or anything like that and i think shows like atlanta um, Abbott Elementary, which is, just came out, which is getting a lot of high praise, and a couple other ones that we'll have, like I said, we'll have a whole deep dive later. But by showing the different types of facets of Black folks, it's actually a good thing. So then now mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, a, a show like Atlanta shouldn't be the most representation of all Black people. That would be ridiculous. Right. Exactly. But it should, it should, it should show a piece of Black people that might not have been shown from before. And I think right. if we keep, exactly. and I think if shows keep doing that, we're like, hey, we're not trying to be all Black people. We're just trying to be a certain section that you have you might not have seen before and then show those nuances because like not every hood person is hood not every suburban person is like regular old suburban like there's all these nuances and layers and all minorities have been like struggling with trying to get past that hump for the longest time and i I laugh because every time there's a show or a movie that presents you know said minority in a different light you know all the white people are like oh my god i didn't know there was like Mm -hmm. i didn't know there was all this craziness going on (laughs) and to that point again going back to atlanta there's a great example a moment where um i think there's a a a white guy in in, i forget what city they're in in europe he's talking to earn and he's like oh so you guys are cousins right and he's like you grew up in the same area he's like but he but you don't talk but you were taught to talk white or something, something like that. He said something like that, and and uh, and Ern's response was was very much like, oh, I don't know. I guess if that's if that's what you if that's how you're interpreting, you know, the way I speak versus the way he speaks, then fine, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it wasn't like a moment where he needed felt he needed to teach that dude anything. He yep. let him continue on yep. being what he was. But mm-hmm. for the audience, the audience might have picked up something right there without being right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the cool part too, where it's like I think now a lot more um, shows are not really trying to be like, you know, hey, someone said something racist. Let me make sure I comment on it. It's more like, yeah. all right, that's what you got to do. I, I have no, like, I don't have the energy to correct all the racist stuff that's going on anymore. Yeah. And what you do is you show that I think on a, on a philosophical and a, and a much more, um, you parallel that to what, what people want to know what black reality, black life is. And unfortunately there is no escape of that negotiation. We're constantly negotiating those things in our everyday life on, from the micro to the macro. So, you know, and, and it's not that, you know, some people you bump into intend to be offensive or, or, or me 
have malintent. It's just, you know, we're all in this kind of this crazy world of, of, of different histories crashing down on us. And, you know, so Atlanta really does show that in a, in a way that I think is more for the, the social aspect of, of dealing with uh, racial politics in, in 2022 or whatever uh, 21st century um, uh, America. Yeah. And then I think now, with um, like shows like Young Justice that started to harp really on their care on their character development, just like Atlanta does, and this is on a different platform and it's a different uh, medium, which is in cartoons. But you have a cartoon that shouldn't be as good as it is, and like they take all they take really big risks when they um, do a lot of their character development. They when they are presenting um, uh, sensitive themes, I should say, like Man, uh, <laughs> I, you know uh, what was it the. Um, I think it was pick one. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it, it's funny. One. I was thinking because it, it made me think of it made me think of an article I read about an episode of Glee, and there the the writer was like, "This one episode has like six different themes. <laughs> it was mm. like racism, uh, sexism, freaking homosexuality, uh, single motherhood, like all these issues all packed into one episode, and they did it horribly." <laughs> And it was just like, and I remember then I'm watching uh, Young Justice and like in a 22 minute span, they touched on all these sensitive things in an expert way and it didn't annoy you. (laughs) And it all still made sense for the narrative they've already established, the long Mm -hmm. form that they got going, which is like at this point, it's like a train that just keeps picking up uh, momentum, you know, right? You know, so like they... They managed to pull all those things in without it being like, oh, that was just like an overload, a sensory overload of like, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Wokeness, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the thing that that works, the, the thing that works in their favor is they're not making them just like overt like this is the Muslim episode. They're just mm-hmm. all crazy alley-oops mm-hmm. where it's just like, so this character is Muslim and they're going to discuss and And in a, in a moment of exposition and character development, you're going to get everything you need to know about how this character feels about their religion, about the struggles that they have. And it's not forced. Yeah. Uh, they, they had two overt episodes where characters are are struggling with or using the lens of their religious beliefs to to sort of enhance the, the your view of the character from the perspective of the viewer. Yeah, it's it's just it's so expertly done, and it's not ham handed. It's not you know we always you know, we always we, the three of us always watch. Uh, any number of shows and there's always you know if there's i don't know randomly if there's a gay character it always feels like there's this ham-fisted way that they introduce that character's uh personal preference as opposed to it just being something that's just there and it's normal and it's not weird and it's not you know like hey so this character's gay so we're going to make sure that we have all these things to highlight that no man no that's not necessary they just walk through their lives and 
they, they're just doing what they do. They're normal people. And it just so happens that this one aspect of their lives gets highlighted and it's not weird. It's not dumb. It's not, you know, it's not ham fisted. It's just the way it's just who the person is, what they do in their lives and you move on. And, and, and yes, it informs our viewpoint, uh, our perspective and our, our, our overall the slant that you see that character in, but not in a weird way. It's just everyday walks of life. The yeah, way that the way that show, the way that a show should be, and I think also too, like say for instance, the in the the latest arc that just came back now, you know, you have one character who's who is known Rocket, who's kind of known as the sister girl character. You know, she's mm-hmm. always you know has a little bit of hood in there. She's like you know whatever, whatever. And then now here you are, you see her now. She is a single mom. Her child has autism. She's having struggles with a kid that's autistic, and they do it in a way that's just showing. Oh. We show do it in a way to show that um, this is something that she is, but then she's also a superhero. <laughs> right. Well, mm-hmm. just one one caveat: she's not a single mom. That's she right. Does have a husband who supports her, Un- her un- and unmarried mom. Each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, unmarried mom. I think that's or, what they established. Boyfriend, I guess. They, yeah. They, yeah. Uh, <laughs> common law gentleman. Even in a, uh, a superhero cartoon, they, yeah, they live in two different places. But um, but I like that they did that because you know, even <laughs> I, I remember because again, she's on another planet in another galaxy, and you know, the father of her child. Let's let's get let's not do baby daddy. Yes, is like, hey, this is going on, blah blah blah, and she's like, okay, look, I'm doing an intergalactic <laughs> like, <laughs> like negotiations right here. He's like, oh, you don't got time for your child. <laughs> exactly, and there's an interesting parallel going on between her son and his uh, and his autism and his mental health, mm-hmm. as well as with the um, the uh, new god Orion and. Um, the way that they they've been able to show uh, Rocket as that skewed parent who has no problem seeing this problem in this person, but when it comes to her own child, it, you know she's worried about him being stigmatized because you know mm-hmm. one of the, the you know things that her um, the the father of her child wanted to talk about was uh, the fact that. He they he has uh, help for Amistad, who is the, the name. I think his name is dope. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, uh, Rocket's son's name. Uh, son get help for him, and she's like, "Oh well, that'll stigmatize him if he's got a special person helping him." And 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 the husband's kind of, or the father partner. The part, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> what he is to her besides the, the father of Amistad. What happens when you can't use the word "baby daddy"? It's, just, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's less. It's less syllables. I think. It's, <laughs> that's all it was. It was just less syllables. Baby daddy versus father, and it's not passive. But anyway, yeah. yeah but yeah, I, I think it was a good. It. it like you said, it was just expert writing and a good way to like two two merging subplots. You know, like you said, she was able to see uh, Orion's uh, o- Orion's uh, sort of mental health issues in the light that that you should see it in. Like, it's not that he's just you know rageful and whatever. Like, he's got 
mental health issues that he needs that he's got things that trigger him he's got things that calm him down and you know as such you know the the similarity between her son and orion was completely overt and just you can see you can tell you can you can see where the writers are going but the fact that she can't see it and she can't yeah. see, she can see it one way for Orion, but can't see it the other, the same way for her own son was just absolutely that again, we're oversimplifying it just by right of the fact that we're summarizing, but you yeah. have to, you have to see it to see how expertly and, and how, how slyly it was done as far as the writing is concerned. <laughs> yeah. And, and also get that level of storytelling in an yeah, animation. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. that's what what makes it so well is that they're like, no, we're showing you guys the Hitchcockian method of suspense where we show you the bomb mm-hmm. ticking and the character over here doesn't realize that the bomb is under the table going yeah. ticking down all the time. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, I found it amazing that after Orion has his thing, has his whole outburst, she calls him a monster. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Went over ahead. Went yeah, over ahead. Like, yep. You missed that whole thing. Yep. Now nah, it's um, uh, it's funny because one of the articles uh, for Young Justice for this season, they were just like, <laughs> and, and I quote. This season has already featured issues like polyamorous and homosexual relationships, non-binary individuals, racism, generational trauma, grief, depression, and autism. And season's not even over yet. (laughs) That was like the last two episodes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're not even exaggerating, is it? I'm not even exaggerating. The last two or three episodes. The last, uh, the arc that when they first came back was Aquaman. That was the uh, I mean, um, yeah, Aquaman. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the poly, um, polyamorous uh, homosexuality you referenced, um, and there's several more in those two episodes alone. And then in that one episode, they hit on religion, polyamory, uh, homosexuality. So yeah, what else? There too. Some reincarnation. Uh, oh yeah, reincarnation. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but I think it's also good because they're doing it in a way where it's like, again, like kind of like what D'Angelo always says, it's like it's pushing a narrative, but it's not it's not uh, and it's flipping up a lot of the tropes, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like and I think, you know, we always go back where it's like, yo, when they people try to deal with an issue, they kind of put the issue in your face and they try to like say, hey, look, this is the issue. This is the issue. As opposed to like, these are the characters and they have issues and they're working through those issues through this right. narrative. And exactly. then then it then it's like, oh, this you're going along on a journey. So like yeah. saying back with Rocket, she has an issue. You know, they they begin the issue. It, the episode with her dealing with her uh, autistic son and the kind of the outburst. And then they have the episode go through and then she's dealing with uh, someone similar. That's a, that's a, you know, a new God. And he has like a similar outburst. And like you said, she, they, she totally misses the connection <laughs> it's, yeah. until later. She kind of sees it, but not really. And she's kind of like, Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's, again, that's where when you see that these these writers are taking this a lot more serious than the average, I'm sure the average writer of a, of a superhero animation uh, does because, you know, we've seen this story, this narrative train building since the first season. You know, there's nothing in season four now, 10 plus years later, that wasn't touched upon, built upon uh uh, established in that very first season of Young Justice, like it's in 
what's great is that we're we've seen all of these characters not literally grow, but anime, <laughs> uh, uh, and they've grown in animation, uh, and and also in in character and um, experience, as we talked about with Rocket. You know, she went from being um, shown to be kind of you know very just fun. Uh, uh, outgoing hood girl to she's a serious professional diplomat now, grown ass uh, woman, and she's <laughs> she's a grown woman about her business. And yeah, she's still flawed because she can't allow won't allow herself to see the obvious situation in her son that is screaming to her uh, that's right in front of her, and she doesn't allow herself to be sympathetic to that. Versus, and I think, uh, and I think the beauty is. They gave you the object lesson, but she still didn't fully get it. Exactly. It wasn't just something that was like, oh, you know, 22 minutes and it's resolved. Like, she got it now and she's going to go get the help her son needs. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) She did not understand it. And everybody else did except her. Yep. And that was the that was the 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 hook line and sinker right there was that yes, they want to continue to follow that thread because yep. it's not about uh, 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 her versus a supervillain. It's about all about her, uh, her versus herself, her versus herself as a mother, as a superhero, as a whatever, as a diplomat, as a friend, as a as a as a human being. That they, it cuts through to all of that, and that's. Mm-hmm what they've been doing with all these, these characters Um, and each season, because it's a coming of age story, they find a a creative way to restructure how they tell the narrative. So we're still in this same world, but we're always looking at it in the prison through a prism from a different angle, from a different perspective. Uh, You know, even how they brilliantly circle back to stuff that we saw in the previous seasons that kind of stood out as that felt a little odd, but you know, okay, it was there. And now we know why, because again, they're working a world. They're not working like, okay, this narrative is running through this world. It's not that this world is just, you know, you know, the world isn't, isn't uh, the story isn't based on, this happened and this happens and this has to happen. You know, it's not plot heavily plotted. Yeah. And they do a good job of like, you know, like you said, they'll bring in characters that maybe had like two, two lines of dialogue in season two and then give them a whole episode. And then the episode makes sense of the overall narrative. And then it's like, even in the last episode recently, like I watched the the CG uh, Green Lantern series. Not everyone did, but it, it, for for its faults, it actually had some pretty interesting new characters and all that. And they brought one of those characters back into this latest episode, and it totally made sense. And I was just like, oh yeah, that that it picked up right where that character where, where he was. You know, brought him in, had him gave him a such, certain situation, and it, it it pushed the narrative as well because it got to bring in um the awesome uh freaking what's his name Metreon. Oh, Metron, Metron, and his assholeness, and so the, the greatest uh, scientist that the that the universe, the scientist the universe needs. <laughs> you would say that, <laughs> but, but, you, but you last saw Metron in the season before, or no, two seasons before. Yeah, um, was three, it was season oh, three. Yeah, season three with Cyborg, and you used to see his mm-hmm. annoyanceness, and you see him back, and he's just in this on that same bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, which is awesome. Willing to like a scientist again. The reason I I say he's the he's the top god scientist because he 
behaves just like a scientist. Like he's willing to. He behaves like you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, don't tell everybody that. You're giving away secrets that only people shouldn't hear about. Don't don't throw throw stones at glass houses. My bad, my bad. Uh, No, but um, with 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 um, with uh, what's his name? I just Metron. With Metron, it's the same thing. Like he's putting people through the ringer so he can experiment on some cosmic level, and it's 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 funny because even his new his fellow new guys are just like. They're like, what happened? Uh, and Metron, uh, <laughs> say no more. Yep. Say, say no more, man. Yep. We, I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> it's like, it's no like Orion, and, Orion and Beacon are just like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, yep. this way, say no more. <laughs> we didn't even no know more. he was coming. Like, oh, geez. All right. Yeah. yeah. Now, but yeah. I think, and, and it's good because. Both Atlanta and um, Young Justice show good shows on these some on these streaming services. And, and Atlanta is on FX, you know. Uh, but I think, I think their deal was with what, Hulu, I think, Hulu. or something like that. Hulu, yeah. yeah, so it's but, on yeah. Um, premiere night, um, and then or what used to be called first run, and then the the next day or midnight, whatever. It's it's on uh, Hulu. Yeah, and then uh, Young Justice is on HBO Max, and it still hasn't got it renewed for its fifth season, by the way. Which is 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 a tragedy considering criminal. Peacemaker get renewed. Yes, I think after like a second episode. Yeah, and Titans yeah. did, and then see, this is why all everything is backwards, man. Like we yeah. hope, hope that there's you know a brighter day ahead. You know, I won't say why. And then you know, it's but it's but it's right now they got them prior the priorities completely. Uh, because Young Justice is just on another level. Like, even when you look at how the world works, things happen when we're not even seeing these characters. Yeah. So that's yeah. how you can, you can and get And I, I use Young Justice as my marker because every time Titans finishes a season, I always ask, is Titans better than Young Justice? And you guys say no. So I'm like, okay, I don't need to watch <laughs> Titans then. But I would argue that's not even fair to Titans anymore. Nope. <laughs> like. I would argue that uh, comparing anything, a lot of things to Young Justice is unfair to whatever that thing is you're comparing to Young mm, Justice. I mm. think that that's the level of, statement. of play that these writers are working with, that they're not pulling any punches simply because their characters are animated and yeah. their story mm-hmm. exists in an animated world. The, the, the stakes, the consequences, the narrative structuring, the, the myth building, it's all as if we will, it's better than a lot of live action superhero television. Like, I don't, I don't know, I can't name a single live action superhero show that is better written than Young Justice. Nope. nope. Me neither. No. That's a good, that's a, I mean, I, I can't, I can't even think about one actually, you know, I think about it. Um, now I would, with I would be with, I'm comfortable making the statement that it's the best written show on television. I won't say show. I won't go that far. Well, but best best action, best action series. Oh, best written. Like, there's an argument to be made there. Okay, you know, there you go. The, the animation versus live action is still a huge qualifier because yeah, of no, the differences in production. So I, I never bridge those two. But I mean, if you uh, if you had Netflix money, then you can just do both, and you're you're good. 
That's true. You can hire Zack Snyder and, and shoot it. And it oh, hey, oh, hey, 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 hey. He, he who no. shall not be he named. He shall not be named. Yeah, yeah come on now. There are rules. There are rules. I did it to myself. You know, it, it's, it just came out. And right on, I got a headache. Speaking of, of horrible things, Netflix's subscription subscribers users have been dropping. <laughs> like, like, a, like a mudslide. Uh, you know what it is, though. I think it to me, honestly, well, I think it's yeah. I think it's a little bit of mix of both. I think it's Netflix rarely ever talks about their numbers in a way that's like quantifiable, and then right. I think that this massive drop in user base kind of made them had to for or have to for the first time and then then also too it, ba- it also balanced out why they were doing a bunch of layoffs and budget cuts of, of a lot of their shows because they've been spending money like a drunken sailor for the last what 15 years basically well, since they um launched their uh well, like original content yeah their original content um they were slow at first um true they moderated themselves with shows like um, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. Um, mm-hmm. There were some early ones that were okay, but they weren't hits like uh, those would become. But then there was that sort of explosion between 2016 and and now. Well, a little after 20, I'll say 2017, and now where it was like Netflix was putting out press releases that they that they were that they had. Um, Picked up and had on slate like 111 movies. Oh yeah, and something uh, for just one fiscal year. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, I remember thinking at the time, like I was like, I, I knew that they were buying up content and that they didn't really discriminate because a lot of the content, to be honest, is not good. And right. But that was just on another level of ridiculousness. Yeah, <laughs> that was just another level of it. Like uh, that many films, many movies. Like, come on! Like you know that that's like that's like how the seventies exploitation studios used to do it. The only difference was they had budgets that were like nothing, and they would always flip it and make a lot of money. Whereas this is the opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think now, and then also. You know, with now that everyone's finally caught the, up to them too, that's the other aspect of it too. Because they were the only game, they were the only name in ga- uh, the game in town for a long time. Yeah. And then Hulu kind of got a little foothold in and all that. And then as everyone else started to make their own streaming services and started c- to compete with them, it's like now it's kind of hard. Because I would say what D- Disney was the one that kind of made the, the biggest splash out of everybody. <clears throat> yeah, Disney was actually <laughs> actually like. Like wedging into like profit sharing, you know, like profit. Yeah, and Disney when they first came out, they just made it clear like we want our stuff back. Whereas like a lot of people, a lot of the other conglomerates were silently pulling their stuff from Netflix, and like over time, you know, getting their content back and not making a big splash about it. But Disney was just like clear and to the point where they were probably trying to. Trying to, yeah, like trying to like whatever they can get them to break and just give them back. But they wanted all that because, I mean, it makes sense. They didn't have a lot for their platform. They needed that content. Um, and Netflix had most of it. So yep. mm-hmm. um, it made sense why they came on strong. But I think you're seeing a lot of the residual effect of the, of the aftermath of of now having there being an uh, an HBO Max, which you know has now 
is about to incorporate a whole nother plethora yeah. of of content in addition to I mean, if you look through at the content, the media libraries that they have now, I'm talking TCM and and Criterion uh, Janice film stuff, um, that's stuff that's not even for the Hollywood connoisseur. That's for the cinephile, the people who watch films that for the cinematic expression, uh, in addition to the the Hollywood a hundred century of, of Warner Warner Brothers, the century of Warner Brothers. So they have a mountain, they had, uh, they had sleeping giants that they were kind of walking in the field with. And now they just woken those beasts up and they're flying higher than them. And they, and they do, they just took what they, the model and cause they had the content anyway. Yeah. And I think that's, the, that was the thing. Like, I think everyone else was scrambling to get the content HBO yeah. with Warner brothers. They already had it. They just had to organize it to mm-hmm. a point that's like worth it. Cause I have HBO same with Max. Disney. Yeah. Same with Disney too. Cause I got HBO max and I got that with my, um, my new internet service. And I was like going through it and you're right. Like the amount of shit they have is just deep. Like even like you said, the cinephiles is like, they they're specifically going for people that like watching movies. Yeah. And the old movies. It's not about the new stuff. Like they do they, you know, HBO Max has tons of good, you know, original content. We just talked about Young Justice so. and all that. Yeah. But they're going after the people that actually like movies. Like, I want to mm-hmm. watch Godard. I want to go watch like, you know, exactly. Seven Samurai. I want to go watch exactly. Citizen Kane. Like, I want to watch something that's you know, whatever, whatever. The Criterion collection alone is worth their price submission. Especially, especially if you're like a cinephile. If you're like a cinephile, yeah. whew. so I think that's the thing where Netflix now they're i think they're they they double dipped a little bit but they were smart because they knew this was coming so yeah. as they started to shore up all the uh um the foreign uh content yep. korean dramas you know mm-hmm. indian filipino thai yep. Um, yep. japanese stuff like i watch a bunch of korean dramas on netflix now which before i couldn't watch it there i had to go yep. somewhere else or i had to like hulu had some some of them but not really but now but netflix, netflix got some really good stuff like yeah. they got a really good collection and that's their saving grace is what they've done on the international scene yeah, exactly um, and bringing and a lot of that that's, into the, and, America, the American uh, stratosphere. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I think user base wise, I'm, I'm curious to see what number of that user base that they lost was American as opposed to like foreign as well. Because like yeah. I can see that being a big chunk being American, but then like oh, they, yeah. they're, they're gaining on the, on the international storm. Mm-hmm. Literally every week, every two weeks, they're adding a ton of like South African content. Oh, yeah. Indian. Like, yeah. you know, I was watching a random like South African spy show and I was like, why am I watching this? And it was not bad i was like yo this is dope but again they also do live some live televised events for the international uh oh i know i saw i was i don't i can't say exactly where i read it or what what it was but it was something that i was surprised to learn that they had ran it live even though it wasn't um it may have been a wrestling i don't know i don't i don't want netflix yeah i'll I'll, uh, Netflix. I'll find it and um, and try to um, see if I can post it or something. But um, yeah, they they have they really do a good job with the with the international uh, stuff. But um, I think the some of it is self inflicted in that they keep trying to raise that subscription price, and um, I just I think you know Americans aren't going to go higher than a certain amount is for Netflix at this point when 
they're losing the content that they really, really like. Oh, I know what it was. And this is important that I remembered it because it was Better Call Saul. Uh, The season premiere premiered on Netflix in an international market. I don't know which one, but yeah. And that harkened me back to Netflix's original success was due to its relationship with AMC and the fact that they got that's right. Breaking that's right. Bad. Yep, that was their first one. Breaking Bad is credited probably with creating the binge uh, phenomenon where they, uh, within Netflix and Breaking Bad, that rela- AMC, that relationship, a lot of people started binging and then they realized, okay, this is a thing. Like this can, this, this can be a formula. That's where they got that, that sort of, and that's why house of cards and some of those first early shows were like, Oh, boom, whole season. <laughs> first, mm-hmm. first season, uh, uh, whole season. You see, they stopped it. Uh, well, no, they kept, they still do that with, uh, with the Witcher, uh, was the whole first season, a uh, whole season. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, Witcher was dope. I like that. Yeah. But no, you're right though. I think that's the most interesting. So now that everyone's caught caught up, because like you know, even now we're talking about you know what streaming services should you have or what you actually like mess with. And like for me at this point now, I think I'm at Netflix, HBO Max, and Crunchyroll for my anime stuff. Hmm. But um, very niche though. Yeah, it's very niche. Exactly. But if I was like a regular consumer, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I would probably do if I had kids, Disney Plus and yep. you know, HBO Max for everything else. And honestly, if you just had Disney Disney Plus and HBO Max, you're kind of fine. Like yeah. Hulu, maybe because there's a connection with the HBC, uh, ABC's shows and, and you know, CBS, like um, yeah, network shows, yeah, like network television, like sports and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you're right. At this point, you could kind of cut Netflix and you'd be okay. Like, there's not really nothing that you're going to be really missing out on that's like must-see TV anymore like yeah. it used to be, you know? Like you said, like Star the house Trek. cars. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, but that's you can go to, you can go to Paramount. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, Paramount, you probably, if you have kids, you get you get it for Nickelodeon. Oh, um, that's true, yeah. Yep. Uh, most older people ain't trying to stream nothing, so you and I really, the stuff that 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 is the bread and butter for, for CBS Paramount, probably isn't something that's going to attract someone older. Yeah. To, uh, the said that they would get, uh, yeah, nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like stranger, you know, uh, what, what's the, the and, and pick a show. I don't think there is any show that's on there that, that skews to that audience that anybody's going to be like, yeah, I'm 65 years old and I'm going to sign up for Paramount. Play. No. And even the content that they might watch, which, you know, CBS being one of the big three, the original big broadcasting networks Mm -hmm. has a plethora of that. They have the I Love Lucy's and the the stuff like that, the guns, the bonanzas and like all that stuff that was on TV. They have that stuff in their catalog and in their library, even the 60s Trek and TNG. As I said, uh, my grandmother was a big fan of those of those series. But mm-hmm. are they going to take the time to go through the streaming of that um, no. to, to do it? So I think the, the big triumvirate, the big three um, are without question in terms of content overall a la carte or Hulu, uh, uh, HBO Max and Disney. I think the others are very, very uh, Netflix now has, has been backed into an optional corner. Because you either yeah. you gotta really love Netflix to really be like, okay, I'm gonna 
monthly now keep that going because a lot of this stuff I can get other places or, you know, if I'm signed up with Prime, a lot of these movies are on Prime and TV shows on Prime. I think Prime is probably the, the good distant cousin of the other the other three, like just because of all the different stuff you, you have available to you. But I think yeah. now it's it's more uh, it, it's less about, you know, am I a Netflix person or am I a Paramount Plus person or uh, you know, beholden to a particular service and more, as I mentioned, Star Trek, more about what you want to watch. Because yeah. honestly, if it wasn't for Star Trek, I probably wouldn't have Paramount Plus. There's Absolutely. No reason have like I wouldn't watch, I wouldn't watch like if it wasn't for Discovery, Picard and all the other stuff that they have coming up, there's no reason for me to, to have, because, because all that stuff, all the Star Trek stuff is still on Netflix. So yeah. if I really want right. to watch it, right. there's no new content. I can watch it on Netflix. Yeah. They yanked the next generation. I mean, I, I looked, they yanked the next generation from what? Yeah, it happened recently because I looked, I went oh. on there to find and watch the next generation on Netflix because uh-huh. I like the fact that you know obviously it keeps going. Oh. It's not there anymore. So again, as I said, a lot of them are quietly yanking their stuff from Netflix. Deep, Deep Space Nine is still on there. I don't know about Voyager, but but TNG. And I know what you're talking about, Josh, because it was just recently on on Netflix. Because it pop, it's one of the first thing that pops up whenever yep. I whenever I open Netflix as a recommendation or whatever. Gone. It's not on there. Yeah, I lost my spot because I was I was gunning through. TNG on uh, on Netflix. Well, okay. I guess I'll guess I got to figure it out on Paramount now. See, another reason to, again to our point. Yeah, to our right. point. That's that's the other that's the other aspect of it is that I don't think people are looking at it based on necessarily how many they have or mm-hmm. cost. Well, not everybody. I'm not going to say that. Some people yeah, no, no, you can't. Yeah, very much looking at the cost. I know I am with when it adds up, but um, like you said, it's more about the content and how much of it, what it, the platform has. Having mm-hmm. all of the Star Trek shows gets them a, gets Paramount Plus a million a subscribers yeah. out the gate, like at least sure. ten million subscribers out the gate. Easy. Like having yeah. having all of that on there. Boom, I it. mean, the fact that they just don't have a Star Trek section that's just the Star Trek like streaming only pay four ninety nine for all your Star Trek stuff in one place. Oh, they'd be it's stupid too. They wouldn't. Easy. They wouldn't get anybody on Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole thing. That would be a terrible idea. And now they're starting to realize how valuable Star Trek is because when you open Paramount Plus, it's Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. Like every, yep. everything is Star Trek now. And it makes sense. You got Strange New Worlds coming. Lord Deck's probably going to have a new season coming up soon. Picard. Yes, is- sir. Nobody, we're going to try to forget about Discovery, but I know <laughs> unfortunately Josh is always going to remind me of how much of a Trek guy he is. So whenever I hate and try to destroy this Discovery, he's going to remind me that I should give it another chance. Hey man, this is the burden that you, <laughs> this is the burden that you carry is, as a Trek fan. You have it to, you, you know, the good and the bad. Yep. The good and the bad. You, you know, probably in retrospect, I'll find something valuable about Discovery. But right now, the only thing valuable about Discovery is that they have a great protagonist. And that's all I'm saying. Good job. And she's a black woman. So you Look like you black women. Positives. 
<laughs> and speaking of black excellence, that <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I would I wanted to end this show talking about a lot of the recent um, kind of moves that a lot of uh, some black creators have doing just recently. So we had a couple of announcements. We had um, uh, we had basically uh, Michael Jai White with his uh, was it Gigantic uh, Studios. So he, um, yeah. So cool thing about him is he actually he, he built his studio. He's also building his own like like movie lot, kind of like a la uh, Tyler Perry, which is dope. I'm glad more actors are doing that. But mm-hmm. he bought um, Hawthorne Books, which is an indie book uh, company that's been that's just optioned a lot of different um, people of color books and that kind of stuff, which is dope. Yeah. And that's kind of added. The most famous thing, and I'll have to follow up on to make sure I'm right, is the theory of everything. Yeah, I think, I think right. The famous book that they published that went on to be uh, manuscript to screenplay to big success because I think that movie won some Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. and then um, uh, Kenya yeah. Barris is over uh, heading over to back to Viacom to sign more billions of dollar deals and <laughs> make new AKA <laughs> Paramount Plus. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, gotta, we gotta say the the new entity now. Right? Yep. Right. Right. As far Paramount as Plus. Um, <laughs> but also, it's not with, well, access anymore, kids. Yeah, I know, man. But he's also what else? They all, the thing I think is more interesting is that he's now part of the exec team of. Um, he's on the board now. Yeah, on the board for uh, BET's like you know original content and movies and all that kind of ish. So it, it, our our old our old uh, workplace is trying to is trying to catch up with the big boys. Trying, trying, <laughs> trying to you know they they, right. they do that. focusing on those content creators and that's a good thing. Tyler Perry mm-hmm. already has his wing of 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 of, of content <laughs> and shows that he produced for them, and I know that a lot of. The, a lot of those shows have a, a, a built-in audience, and I think that's a good thing for them to do is keep building mm-hmm. on that because they it's it's a really you know it may not be a show that I would watch, but for every one of me, there's ten that will like that yep. that exactly. show or those movies. So you know, we just keep chasing that. So I'm glad Kenya Barris is definitely doing that. And that he, yep, us from uh us from 2017. Thanks them. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and then um also recently um uh Nia DaCosta who did Candyman, she's doing the the upcoming Marvels uh movie for Marvel with the Captain Marvel and the rest of them. She just got signed on to do Tenahasi Coach's first fiction novel, uh The Water Dancer. And so mm. she's been kind of racking up to kind of just like she doing I guess again, I think it's dope. She did like the the horror joint with Peel. She hopped over to do a Marvel movie, which gives you that extra Marvel check. And then now you're doing something that's more indie, which is with the Tennessee Coach thing, which I thought I was pretty dope. Um, yeah. And in the and middle of what you mentioned to add on to the Marvel aspect more than anything is it gives her that opportunity to show that she can handle the big budget production. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to do a horror film. A horror film is a moderate budget production in Hollywood, especially that Candyman film that she did, um, she she grounded it. Probably didn't spend a lot, made more, <laughs> which is, mm-hmm. is a, definitely a proven thing. But I think with Marvels, that'll give her an opportunity to show um, that she's a box office. She can be a box office player, and that's yeah, good man. for an early opportunity as this early in her uh, sort of filmography, um, and then bring it back to the indie scene or the more lower you know calm down from the the big um uh fa- high fantasy type of stuff 
Yep. And then I think the and then also what I was gonna say is our uh one of our one of our fan favorite of the pod, Kevin Garo, who did all the underworld series and everything else. Yes, sir. Him and um Charlemagne the God are actually teamed up to launch a comic series. Um uh I think they're I'm not sure if it's under Charlemagne's actual like book imprint situation, but I've I've already seen some of the stuff that Kevin Grow has been working on. It's pretty much his own um, you know, universe and all that kind of stuff. But I think he's teaming up with uh with Charlemagne to kind of get that money behind it to actually like make it happen. And I'm starting to see more because Wesley Snipes is doing the same thing with another um another comic creator. Um mm-hmm. Keanu did something else with a couple others to do uh, one of his stories. So it's one of those things where like I actually think it's a good thing that some of these celebrities are hooking up with these uh, uh, comic creators because now those comic creators have the backing to get their stories out there. Absolutely. Use the use the star power to get some looks onto it, and then then you can go from there. And I yeah. think that's actually a good thing because then you can um, again. The for me, it's always like the more new shit that we can see as opposed to just rehashing on the old stuff. Like I would mm-hmm. like. And Kevin Grow, he made uh, Blue Marvel, which is like just waiting to be a, a TV or movie. At, the at some fact point. that Blue Marvel has not been done, that Marvel, the MC hasn't been brought into the MCU. Yeah, or yeah. I've been, I don't yeah, know yeah. if they, if they, if Disney owns it or if they can use it. The character, I believe, I, I believe, they, I believe so. They I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there, the fact that that character <laughs> hasn't been adapted in this age of of so-called diversity and, and we got, you know, I get it, Black Panther, the history and all that stuff. And it was great. I don't want to say anything that that um, dilutes or negates what we got with Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But the fact that now, also, right. even beyond that, we don't have a serious effort to, as far as we know, to bring Adam the Blue Marble onto either the small or big screen. I mean, I would have rather seen that than Moon Knight. I'm just being honest. And no disrespect to Moon Knight, but that is a really good story. It's a powerful story. I I think even if they had a the perfect set, the perfect way to have Backway introduce that character would have been the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But you know, maybe that maybe not as much because he's actually a super being. <laughs> uh so probably not since that's the more ground level thing. But um man, I wish they would. Um but um uh Kevin uh uh is it Grebo or how'd you Grebo? Gravo, with with Kevin Grivo, he is definitely one of those creators who I want. I really want to see more from. Absolutely. Um, um, he Underworld is one of my favorite things from the two thousands. Where mm-hmm. between bad superhero movies and bad attempts to do original action superhero type stuff. Underworld was a diamond in the rough, man. Like that movie was, was people will argue it wasn't great and it's not a great film, but for that story, it, it's off the charts. Like and for that time and that, and the fact that the production was very minimalist, it was, it was a really good story. So I would hope that maybe one day he develops that into a TV series, because I think mm-hmm that would be a more um, interesting TV narrative. And now it seems like the vampire is coming back. Anne Rice, I've been seeing the promos for Anne Rice's uh, 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 Oh yeah, vampire um, interview, interview with the vampire. vampire. So 
You know, mm-hmm. which apparently Lestat is going to be, oh no, Black not dude. Lestat, but uh, Lou. Oh, he's a Black is, dude, right? uh, is, Yeah, he's um, Jacob Anderson, uh, the guy that plays Grey Worm. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Who's also a rapper. He's, yep, he's also, he's actually, he's actually yeah, a British rapper, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, that's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though. I think uh, it's one of those ones where, like, you know, and I've been following Kevin Gross' work since, yeah, since Blue Marvel. And then he did a good stint on the New Warriors for a, a hot second. And he did some other good stuff, too. And so, um, and he actually wrote an episode of uh, Young Justice recently, too. That's right. And he was the voice of the Black Beetle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, like you said, I, we, we're going we're gonna to have a longer um, conversation about Black creators in the current era right now. And a lot of the stuff that's been coming out, but I'm glad that I'm starting to see these things like kind of just pop up and people are really putting money into 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 original ideas. That's not like, you know, like I said, the big three. It's not DC stuff. It's not Marvel stuff. Big fan of Marvel, big fan of DCs, but like, oh, yeah. any give me something new. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> for real. Yes. Yeah, you know, no, for real. We want new, new stuff. You know, we we love our classics, but that's why they're classics, because they remain etched in a certain period. Like now we can have the new things and, you know, maybe, maybe we'll be throwing some new things out there. Yeah, definitely. And, um, all right. So to wrap this up, we'll do some final words. Uh, Josh, I'm gonna go with you for final words. Final word is if you're not watching young justice, you, you're not living life. <laughs> you know what, Josh? You know what I just imagined? I imagined you as Dwight in the, in the office when he asked that guy, <laughs> "Did you watch Battlestar Galactica?" The guy was like, uh, "No," and he's like, "Well, then you're an idiot." <laughs> That was a, I just, like instantly got hearing you say that. I was like, "Yeah, that's John." Uh, yeah. But no, we're not calling you idiot. But you're you're not watching Young Justice. But you but you definitely are not living life. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, you're not an idiot, but you, you you. I do question your judgment. <laughs> I do. The, uh, what's your uh, final word? Um, my final word is actually a word to. The powers that be for DC is, uh, you know, renew Young Justice, renew it now. Amen. It's a crime that it's not been renewed for its fifth season, as much as it's being written about, talked about, and I'm sure streamed and watched. So renew that series. And uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm 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 hoping that our with this continued conversation that as we talk more black content comes out and um, watch Atlanta because it's definitely one of the the highlight, one of the high examples of what's going on with, with this sort of renaissance of black, uh, of black uh, media content. Yeah. I was going to piggyback on that. That's the one thing I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying a lot of the new um, money that's being put into a lot of black creators and um, to create new stuff. And actually, like, give them the space to kind of like, you know, flex a little bit, give them some time to actually make it good. And like, you know, I think the that at least giving people I I think I I really hope for a lot of the newer ones that are starting to pop up that they get that at least like, you know, that that two season kind of tie so you can get your footing. You can figure it out because not everyone's going to hit out the park out, you know, from gate from the jump. But at least give people the room to like a little bit fail, you know, work on it, get some better. And so I think 
I'm glad that you're starting to see this pop up more and it's inspiring a lot more younger creators to kind of do more things, which is dope. Absolutely. And so like I said, I'm, we, as much as we do like the classics, like just original stuff and original stuff, because we know this out there. It's just the yeah. fact that people got to put money into it to kind of get them out there. So. And we don't need to hate on it because, you know, there's a there's there's something for everybody. And yep. that's a good point. That's Wonderful. a good space to be in. Is Agreed. That no matter which way you turn, no matter what you like, what flavor you want, it's there. And it's yeah. nuanced and it's for you. And hey, it, can't beat that. Exactly. I think it, I was explaining this to someone recently where I'm like, you know, nowadays I can actually be like, yo, it's not for me, but I can right. see that someone else might enjoy this and, and really like, you know, how to like, like get into it. And I think that's, that part is way more important than whether I like it personally or not, you know? Uh, amen. Um, I agree. So, all right. Well, that's, that's blurred lines this day. We will see you guys soon and we are out. Peace. Peace.